This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So we all fell in love with some girl. You know, whether you had a crush and didn't have the guts to actually be in the relationship, or you actually were in a teenage relationship, 16, 15, 14, you know, whatever it was, and you gave your precious heart that had only been in the hands of your of your loving parents or your loving siblings or in relatives and you actually placed it in some girl's hand and what did she do? She well, First of all, what was that feeling? It was the greatest feeling you've ever had. Think about it. Raise if you can recall a feeling like that where you gave your heart for the first time to someone and you thought it was the greatest incredible feeling. Only three of you? Be honest. Raise your hand if you ever had that feeling. Okay? And you might have just had a crush, but there was this intoxicating feeling in the situation. Listen what happened. So what happens when you hand something precious to a 14-year-old or 15-year-old or a 16-year-old? Right. Something, something happens, and what she does is she takes your precious heart and she squeezes the blood out of it. Because she's only 14 or she's only 16. She doesn't know how to care for that. If you had a diamond, what's more precious, a heart or a diamond? The heart is much more precious. The diamond, you, you can stomp on it, it won't get even scratched probably. But the heart is your most important organ, meaning your emotions. And what happens is you don't hand a, a diamond to a 14-year-old. Yet you handed your heart to the 14 or the 16 year old, the 17 year old, or what, 12 year old, I don't know how old you were. And when they squeezed, you felt the deepest pain you've ever felt. Maybe only matched by your birth when you were separated from your mother, which you weren't even cognizant of. But you felt the deepest pain you ever felt in your life. Here's the end if you felt that pain before. Same people probably. Same people. And you know what you said to yourself? By the way, do human beings how do, do human beings like having negative emotion? No. Ooh. Right? That's we supply the whole uh, drug and alcohol world <laughs> based on our negative emotions. You know? So So we human beings don't like hanging around with negative emotions. So you know what we did? We said the following words. You may not remember it, but I promise you said it. Whether you said it verbally or you said it in your heart, you said, I will never love again. And unfortunately, you were being serious. And if you think about it, I don't care how good a relationship you've had since then, you never let yourself go like that. You never let your heart go fully into it. And, it, I, and you probably are thinking that, well, marriage will be different. If anything, marriage is even more disappointing because now I'm married and I still can't do it. And that's the biggest complaint I get. I counsel a lot of couples. Counsel many, many couples. The biggest complaint I get is, you know, it's either him saying, she doesn't give me her whole heart. Or it's her complaining. You know, he stays at work so late and he could have easily been home at six, but he comes home at like nine. He doesn't give me his whole heart. By the way, this is all the foundation of workaholism. Not wanting to deal with the engagement, the the intimacy, because of this pain that we're afraid of. 
And this is what leads to this stuff, is because as soon as it starts getting good, I gotta pull away. Get away from that. And she's doing the same thing. You guys will be married one day and you'll experience this. I, I bless you not to. I bless you to work it through. I have ways of how to get through this. But uh, you'll be married one day and you'll see that your wife's having trouble giving herself totally and trusting totally and all that stuff. <laughs> you know what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to like shoot through her throat somehow, like go through time into a time capsule. And you'd want to go to every guy that ever broke her heart or slept with her or anything. And you want to just go like this. I married this woman and she still can't give her heart to me. Still doesn't trust. And she's going to want to do the same thing to you. She'll want to do the same thing. So every time that we go back into the pattern of the counterfeit of that love, which can often be just casual, casual sexual relationships, which is, you realize that that's chasing the counterfeit of that feeling? It's like trying to get the feeling without actually going into the vulnerability of the feeling, because remember how vulnerable it was? So we're going for the counterfeit of the feeling without actually going into the feeling. And, but every time we do that, it's just another brick in the wall. All in all, it's just a another brick in the wall of marriage and children and trying to relate and be someone who relates fully to their spouse, which creates normality and and solidity for raising. You know, it creates a fertile bed for raising children who are healthy. Now, it was never like this in history. Are you ready for this? Throughout history, Jews and Gentiles, I'm not preaching here, there's Jews and Gentiles, you were not done as a parent until you married your kid off. Which wasn't that old, it was probably, probably 14, 15. You married a kid off probably around 14 or 15 throughout history. And you marry your, you, you're not done, certainly a 14 year old kid's not gonna marry himself off, so you marry your kid off. And uh, today, in the in my community, for example, we marry the boys at the girls get we marry it at 17 and 18 or 18 and 19, between 17 and 19, and the boys are married between 19 and 20. In my whole community, I have a massive community. In my whole community, there is no single man over the age of 21, or 21 and up, basically. 21 maybe, 22 maybe an individual, and the same with women. Because we hand their whole heart, their innocent and pure whole heart over in marriage to someone that we have carefully, carefully investigated. And you, believe me, after raising a child with everything you put into it financially, emotionally, uh, educationally, you're going to be very careful who you hand that kid to. You guys are too developed already for that. You, 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 had, you have to marry yourselves off because... No one's gonna, your parents just don't get you anymore. You're not gonna help out. Your parents don't get you anymore. You know, you know what I'm saying? Had they married you out when you were 14, they would have done an amazing job and probably better job than you're probably gonna do. (laughs) (laughs) But at this point, you're too developed to be married off. You have to basically go through the gauntlet to get yourselves married, which is, there's guides. I guide people all the time in this. You know, you have to be guided. No one can marry them. In the old days, people used to be able to marry themselves off. 
Today it's impossible. It's so hard. That's why you'll meet people in their 40s and 50s who still haven't gotten married in massive quantities. Manhattan, you kidding? Tel Aviv. You know what the single scene is like? People in there starts in the 20s and it basically never ends. Very few people. And when's the last time you guys went to a wedding? How many weddings you go to a year? How many weddings you go to a year? Recently, five, two years ago, 20. Yeah. Wow. Oh, you hang out with observant people? Oh. No, mixed crowd. Yeah, but that's but like the wrong guy. Who doesn't hang out with observant people at all? Okay. Josie, how many weddings you went to last year? How many weddings you went to last year? Actually, last year was crazy. It was five weddings. Five weddings. You want to know something? It's that age. You want to know something? In my community... This week, this week, Sunday through Thursday, there are something like 25 weddings. That's pretty serious. This week, something like 25 weddings. It's a lot of broken glass. Must be pretty humble all week. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's, I go to, what you do is you just go to this one's chuppah, you go to this one's dancing, you go to this one's meal. You, you just keep moving and moving and moving and moving. That's why when you get married, when you have a wedding here, you have the most random people at your dinner. You know, at the actual meal time, because it all depends where they're holding in their, you know, they're trying to string, spend it least possible on cabs to get from wedding to wedding. You know, so just, whenever they wound up at your part of the meal, your part of the wedding, is uh, who you feed. You know, I guess you could save money that way. Just be at like the end, be on the other side of Jerusalem. So by the time they got to your wedding, it would be like, like it's eleven at night. You know, you know, you just give them a snack or something. So anyway, also you, by the way, all weddings in Jerusalem are open. What? All weddings in Jerusalem are absolutely open. To the public. For wedding Wedding crashes. They set up a whole buffet for anyone who crashes. All drinks on the house. And, uh, yeah, they actually, there's no such thing as a closed wedding in Jerusalem. It could be the secular community in Jerusalem, you know, might not want me coming in going, hey, it's a Jerusalem wedding. Let's go, you know. But, um, but certainly in the observant community, all weddings in Jerusalem are are open to the community. What's the next one? Tonight, we're going down a major party. Tonight's in Tel Aviv. We're taking off around uh, six from my place to this wedding. I don't know. You guys are probably busy tonight. Yeah? <laughs> this one's going to be huge. This is, it's at the King David wedding hall in, uh, in Jabotin, right near Benebra. These guys busy tonight? No. So it's the King David. Uh, it's in the King da- the King David on Jabotinsky. Okay, it's a place called. It's part of a little part of Tel, Tel Aviv called B'nai Brak, and it's going to be top top level. Uh, you can come as you are, actually. Just uh, I mean, you might want to you might want to put a button down shirt on. You don't have to. You can come as you are and just come party. Okay. Um, where were we? Oh, so you know what happens. Listen to this. Can I just go a step deeper? You guys don't mind going deep like this? So let's go a step deeper. Once the heart was crushed when we were kids, and we realized we'll never love again. We're never going to go there again. I'm never going to allow myself to be that vulnerable again. You know what we went for after that? 
we went for the counterfeit of love. What you think, you gotta understand, love is what you need more than anything else in this world. More than water, more than food, more than air, more than... You need love. Okay, you were raised in a nest of love. What do you think, you don't need it anymore? You still need love. And you're seeking it to this day. And you'll seek it in spouse. Unfortunately, many parents, because they didn't get it right when they were kids, seek it in their own kids. You ever seen clingy kids that like cling to their parents? You know, you probably use some of your uncles and your nephews or nieces won't even go to you. You know, because they're so clingy on their parents. You know why that is? Kids are not naturally clingy. You know where they learn to be clingy? The parents are like sucking the love out of them. You know, they're, they're clinging to their kids because their kids are like their chance to be loved fully again. Their spouse, forget it, can't talk. The kids, oh, that's where I'll get my love. I catch myself once in a while saying, you know, you know, tell daddy you love him. You know, and I immediately say, I love you. Because the kid needs the love. He doesn't need me pulling it out of him. Understand? Anyway, kids give love naturally, but you know, they don't need any extra parents sucking it out of them. Okay? So, the, so you still need love, even though your heart said, I'll never love again. It's not like you don't need love anymore. So you actually, you know what you did? You chose the counterfeit. We choose the counterfeit of love. You guys, what's the counterfeit of love? Infatuation. Infatuation. Lust. We spoke about sexuality. Just casual sexuality is a counterfeit. Very good. But guess what? Wait till you hear this. The counterfeit of love is attention. Take a moment. Just everyone be quiet for a second. Breathe into that one. Take a deep breath. And realize, just listen, that ever since your heart suffered the damage of whatever you let it get into or your parents let you let it get into, that ever since then, you've tried to fill that with attention. about wealthy people in your community where you grew up, fancy cars, and the, the kind of miserable situations, yet, you know, it's got the hardtop convertibles. Think about the women, the way they dress. They don't want to dress that way. They, mamish, they so badly don't want to dress that way. But they've already been broken. And so they'll go for attention instead. Okay, it's easier to think about others, but now take a moment, just think about your own life. And here's the amazing thing of how you see how counterfeit it is is that it never works. It never works. Because at the end of the night, you're in bed there looking at the ceiling, and there's a tremendous emptiness. A tremendous emptiness there, which we can fill with intoxicants and other things, or sleeping pills or whatever. But there's a deep, deep emptiness there, because it just doesn't work. That's why you see like rock stars like die on the night of their big show. 
because because the uh, the the all the attention made this like boomerang this way, but at the end of the night when all the crowd was gone and it was just them and they're feeling they're kind of coming down from whatever drug they were on or whatever they're like they're boomerang way over here to that deep emptiness that's inside of all people who have had their hearts broken which is almost everybody since society stopped marrying off their children song Someone made a song about this? Metallica. Oh, Metallica. Ah, yeah. So, what's the answer? What is the real answer? You have the answer? Yes. Life is full of second chances. Ah, okay. So that's, I'm going to call that a band aid, though. A band aid. A band aid. What's the real answer for us? The real answer for us... Ready for this? I imagine you guys want to know this one. Is... First of all, keep your pants on. That's a good one. Okay, That's not what I came here to talk about. But first of all, keep your pants on. Don't put another brick on the wall. Okay? Start creating your self-dignity. But the second thing is you'll notice that you don't put a lot of love in the system itself. You're not putting out a lot of love because that's... You know what the price for love is? You know, everything costs. You know what the price for love is? Ooh, nice pen. The price for love is... Okay. The price for love is vulnerability, and that's why we're like tough with other, with other men. You know, we got like a image and stuff. I'm like, I'm not going to be so friendly to Samuel, you know, because that makes me vulnerable. That puts like when you say when you're sharing love with someone, you might as well just put a target on your head and hand a guy a gun. You understand? You're making yourself vulnerable when you're sharing love, and you know what? They're doing the same thing. So what happens is we live in like a drought. We live in like a drought of warm feelings for human beings. We're living in a drought. So you know what the answer is? This is an amazing answer. It's totally counterintuitive, but it works. Ready for this? All you do, all you do is decide now. You guys, you got to get this. All you do is decide now that you are going to be a loving human being. A caring, loving, respectful human being to all other people. So, now, of course, what did I just say? If I do that, then i got to pay with vulnerability. I don't want to be vulnerable. Meaning, if I put myself out there to be, like, loving to people and respectful of people, they could crush me, right? they crush me. Well, guess what? If you're interested more than anything else in having loving relationships and that's probably the most important thing for your healthy psychology well guess what most likely the person sitting next to you is going through same thing and the strangers on the street same thing and the girls in your group the other the girls in rage same thing everyone wants 
everyone wants this. So tell me, you guys tell me, what happens when you decide from now on, I am giving, I'm just put, I'm just gonna radiate loving, respectful feelings towards people everywhere. What are you telling them? What's the message you just gave them? You're above their intentions. Well, you're thinking they have intentions. They don't. They want love too. They're afraid also. So then, why do people do that to us? It's like, crazy. Why do we want love and they they can't crush it? You think they're going to crush it? They're not going to crush it. We're saying we're not stingy with our vulnerability. We don't really care. You're saying I'm not stingy with my vulnerability. I don't really care. That's from. Uh, from Henry? Wait a Henry, yeah, I got it. Okay. Yeah. You open the door for that person to come in. Excellent. So let me explain why. It's very, very hard to open that door. I'm saying if you just open your door and you start sharing loving feelings and get rid of your attitude and get rid of your image and get rid of the ego and stop being so darn protective of that heart that got crushed one day. You can see this, by the way, in children. You'll see how they play together beautifully. And then after a while, they start, once they got crushed as teenagers, they stop intermixing so much. They choose very few friends who they let in. Very few people are safe to be in there. So what do you do? You say, from now on, I am going to be a loving human being. Do you know what that says? You see, what's your name? Vlad. Vlad. Once I say... That I'm a loving human being. What does Vlad now realize? It could be a safe. That well, no. It's that here's one safe place to hang out. When you start putting love out there again, as opposed to the drought, what you did when you were a kid was you set, you closed down the valve. You closed off the valve. When you open that valve as an adult, you're telling all adults this is a safe place for love to occur. To occur. I am an address where love occurs. And you become like a magnet because everyone you meet, everyone you meet has been looking for a safe place for love to occur. Everyone's been looking for a safe place to love for love to occur. And you can be that safe place for others where they don't feel you're going to make fun of them. You know, how do you think I might feel right now? I'm not, I don't feel safe right now. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't feel safe. You gotta give him some love, Felix. I don't want, I'm just saying, you understand. Like, here I'm making an important point and he thinks it's funny, but I've lost my safety now. No, so, like, right in the point of... I was just commenting on the point to me, friend. Mm-hmm. No, okay, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. But I, I just, uh, I, but I want you to get that. It's part of being, the next rabbi who teaches you, make sure he feels safe. That this is a place where, where connection and respect and love occurs. See, when you do this, what, what, let's just go with this and then we'll end. This is it. What are you thinking? I'm only going to share love if I see there's love safe for me to be loving. If I see out there, it's safe for that. That's what you're saying. But the problem is that's what they're saying, so no one's doing it. Once you say that I don't really care what's going on out there, I myself am creating that centrifugal spin-off of loving feeling and respect of human beings. That's coming off of me. Well, you just told every person in your surrounding that you're a safe place where their deepest need for love can be. And you actually wind up living in a world like that. And I promise you, if you take my advice right now and just go on, you guys going on a trip or something? (laughs) Going out? Yeah. 
wherever you're going, if you take this and just go with it, I promise you, you're, you're going to get amazing results. And just go with it forever. And then you will marry and you will have your heart there. And you will rehabilitate your ability to love altogether so that you will have a beautiful life. Shalom. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.